Hello everybody and welcome to podcast number 56. Today I have with me the Amuse Moose New Comic Semi-Finalist 2018, BBC New Comedy Award nominee in 2019, awarded the panel prize at Beat the Frog 2020. It's Adam Flood. Welcome Adam, thank you very much for joining us. Hello. Hello. You were actually brought up in Cheshire and went to Holmes Chapel Comprehensive School before going off to gain a BA in history at Bristol University. So when did comedy and particularly stand-up start with you? Um, I mean, firstly, I like how you have the backstory on like my education. That's nice. A <laughs> uh, little bit of a CV. I've been wanting to do my CV, so I'll just if you could send me that, that'll be helpful. Um, uh, when did when did I start getting into comedy? Well, I used to be I used to be in a band, uh, uh, a, a band called Bleach Whale, um, W A I L. No one could spell it, and I think that's why I'm I'm not a really successful musician. Um, and I kind of always liked the chatting to people in between um and then one time i mean i've always been a big fan of stand-up like i used to go and see people like ross snowball when i was younger and um my parents like eddie eddie Hazard and people like that and then i just sort of thought you know what i'm gonna go and be a comedian and uh did a, like a short course thought i was gonna absolutely smash every gig did not absolutely did not and then uh, just carried on keep keep doing it yeah so, um, so that's brilliant. I mean, you are um, one of the up and comings, in our opinion. And, um, mm, thank you. So, were you ever involved in any sort of drama clubs or debating societies at school? Debating society? Nah, I, um, I did want to do drama. Right, I wanted to do. I wanted to go to a drama school around the corner. Uh, from, I don't know why I didn't end up going to it. I've, this is bringing up a lot of memories for me, Elaine. I'm. You know, this is counselling. My parents didn't let me go. This is very sad. They were like, you're going to go down the mine. Because you say that I was from Cheshire. Like, I, um, my school, my home chapel was in Cheshire, but I grew up uh, like on the borderline of Cheshire and Stoke. So, like, it's, uh, I have a, quite a complex identity, actually. Uh, it's, like, borderline Cheshire, borderline Stoke. So, uh, anyway, the, um, yeah, I didn't go to drama school. I went to do in primary school this dance and drama class and uh it was all dance it was actually mainly morris dancing legit like with the not morris dancing what's the the call with the the pole not lap dancing um, um, the mate, round the maple. yeah it was mainly that which you know i don't want to shit on anyone who uh does that but it's you know um it's not the sort of it's not what i dreamed of in year when i was 10 um so yeah, I didn't really do that for very much. I the only other thing that I remember with drama is that I went to uh, when I was at school, I got expelled um, for for uh, selling weed. It's a very naughty boy, um, and I went to a new school. And when I got to the new school, it was year ten, so I was doing my options and I was doing drama. And the very first day, the teacher was like uh, of drama class. They're like, right, everybody, we just do a bit of warming up. We just want you to dance around the room like a chicken just to kind of really get into things. And this is day one of trying to integrate into a new school. So I, I went and quit and did music instead. That's kind of that's kind of why. Oh, wow. So um, when you went to Bristol University, then is that when did you become involved with the Bright Club 
Bristol University Comedy Club? Nah, they're a bunch of nerds. All right. <laughs> bunch of bloody nerds. There's all improv and stuff. I think I saw like one improv thing there. Have you ever seen improv? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> that was so undiplomatically. <laughs> well, I mean, it has its place. Yeah, it has its place. You know what? That is true that there is really good improv. Because when I was at uni, bad improv is one of the worst things in the world. Yeah. Um, We've obviously spoken to lots of people on our podcast who are actually very good at improv. Oh, no doubt. Like I, I did some imp- I've I've done improv for a while, uh, badly. Um, but like people at the Free Association, the thing in London, okay. like absolutely amazing. Like it's kind of magic when people are amazing at it. I saw... One of the best things I saw at Edinburgh last year was, uh, or whenever it was, was uh, I can't remember they're called the the improv troupe with um, Rose Matafeo and oh, yeah. um, some other people. Just like unbelievably good, um, but bad improv is unbelievably bad. And so I think that was one of the first things that I saw like to do with that. And I, I kind of didn't want to do it, so instead I I did radio um, and I had like a radio show with a friend there, my friend Ed. And I'm Adam, so we call it the Garden of Edam. It's quite hilarious bit of wordplay there. Um, so that's probably that's probably my first forte into like forte, for, foray, foray, into going to uni and using words like foray and also um, just messing around and making stuff. So the fact that you actually did history, you have to be quite articulate for that. Mm. So do you think that that helps when you're writing your comedy? Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, definitely being, I mean, I don't think it's important being articulate for comedy is not important. It depends what sort of comic you are. I saw Ivor Graham last night at the first gig every, you know, I was gigging and it, it Vauxhall and it's like everyone's first gig back. It's amazing as you know, rusty as hell. Ivor Graham, it, so good and amazingly articulate. Um, and that, can be you know that's what was really funny for me um so i think it can help if you know exactly you command a language but also like being bendy and saying the wrong word um and, and being purposefully obtuse that's also funny yeah yeah so so you're someone who constantly edits and edits and edit you know redoes your script and learns it so that you've perfect it or you've very much i've got an idea and i'll just run with it I'm, de- I'm definitely the the uh, former and I'd like to be the latter. I think the, the um, like the funniest time, I don't know if you feel the same, but um, like when you feel the funniest on stage, I think is when you didn't plan to say it. Yeah. <laughs> and also the audience know that I feel it just is always, if you, if there's something that happened, like if you're hosting or even if you're just doing your stuff and, and you say the thing that, it came from the idea that you came up on stage with it. That is where it's funniest. I, for me, it feels, I'm like, yeah, look at that. That, I mean, it simulates most of the reason why you kind of want to do comedy because you, you know, not many people go into conversations with friends like, okay, so we'll do that bit, that bit. And obviously if they say that, I'll probably do this little topper there. Cause if you do do that, then you're a psychopath. So um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I think, trying but I do I do like to edit it and do like to think of okay you know I've said this noun here and you're like what funny thing could be there instead yeah 
you haven't been performing that long before you doubled up and became the Joke Boys show um, mm. with your friend Blake and took it off to Edinburgh. Yes, um, we we did yeah. that. Not after very long at all. Yeah, probably maybe only a year and a half. Um, but that was really good. I I really I really looked out by picking to do a show with such a massive idiot. Um, and we lived together. We just me and him for the fringe. So I don't know. It was really it was really good. And we kind of did do it a bit like a show. Like we did a sort of classic split bill. You know, the idea being you, you're, you're not good enough to do the allotted time, half an hour, right? So you have to, or the hour, there's no way you could do an hour, even 30 minutes is an absolute push. Um, and so split it, but we ended up doing it. So it had like a beginning, a middle and an end where we came on together. We did an auction in the middle of a fax machine, which was hilarious. <laughs> and then we did it, we wrapped up at the end and we had a, we had a song and we, we were very lucky um, and had a really nice run, which But is, you have uh, quite a good bond as well, don't you? Did you start comedy together? Because you still carried on doing lots of things together, haven't you? Yeah, not massively. We, I mean, as in we didn't massively start together. Like, I started, I think he was basically quite good friends with maybe like Jinia Cheng. So I did um, a course with... Jinia Cheng and a bunch of other people like Amy Zander and and um, yeah, just lots of people on that. I think that's I think you know that's how I knew him. But um, yeah, it's just it's a good working comedy duo relationship. That's good. Yeah, you obviously click. So I've seen some of your videos. So you've got lots of things on Instagram and on pages on your social media. And you've been doing lots of little sketches and things. And I just, um, I saw one with the recorder. And yes. you obviously said you were, um, and you played an amazing version of Hot Cross Buns. I was very impressed. Thank you. Um, you've already said you were in a band. And in there, they said you don't play the guitar again. So do you play the guitar and the, and the recorder? And the recorder. Yeah, I am a, a double threat in that respect. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I do play the, I mean, who doesn't play the recorder? Like I play it to that level. I bought, I bought one uh, for the bit, but I do, I do play the guitar. I don't really play much anymore. I've started. So with Blake in the, and not just with Blake, but even in the little solo sketches that I've been doing, I've started making songs. Um, Cause I am a musician. I can do that. And I think I didn't do it at first because even beforehand, I knew there was a stigma about musical comedians which is unfair I think but um still nonetheless I knew I knew that it was it could be a crutch for me so that's why I didn't do it to begin with um you think it's something that might come in again in the future musical comedy or every now you know what I've been every now and again doing bits of music I did the first song that I ever did the first song that I did in stand-up was I've been running this gig uh out of a barbershop window in Exmouth Market called Inside Out. And it was in the sort of pandemic times. And we got shut down by the council because, because of a noise complaint, but it's like a really busy street. It was really stupid. And so I um, had like a big load of meetings with the council and they were like, you can do it, but only if you have a license and you can only have a license if it's a music show. We don't have any licenses for stand-up. So I was like, 
okay, I spy a loophole. So I'm going to write a song as a license requirement and do that in the middle. And, um, and it was really fun. And we had this bit where like in the middle of the song, you know, it's about, this is a license requirement. And then we had, I had like a couple of plants, uh, Luke Chilton and Blake AJ come on stage, pretend to be the council to take me down. But then they jumped up and danced on the stage and <laughs> unbelievably people actually thought it was the council. That's like, that was probably <laughs> my proudest moment that they thought that uh, those two reprobates were legit. Because uh, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. That's so funny. Um, so as somebody who is constantly writing, because I understand you're also writing sketches at mm. the moment, do you think you may move into the uh, writing more in the future or is it stand up all the way? Um, yeah, I think I'm going to be a big Hollywood, uh, big writer, big script, big script man. That's my that's my plan. No, I don't know. It's it's different. It's difficult to see what the thing that I'm the, re, the reason that's exciting to do stuff online is I think is you can cultivate your own audience, which means that you don't have to feel this like, oh, I'll keep doing the the, the open spots until I can open in Carlisle, which is going to be a real privilege. And and then I can wait until I can be allowed into this club. It, it just puts a bit of autonomy into your hands where you're like, well, if you can get your stuff out to people if you can find people who like you and then make them come and see you in other respects like whether it's at your live shows or whatever else that you decide to put out there and monetize like your fun ideas i don't know that just seems like a, a more exciting way to do that so then i guess just experimenting with what uh online can like what i like doing with writing and online yeah and you're saying there what people like and they find you you the restrictions, we're 2021 now, lockdown restrictions were partially lifted yesterday. You were already gigging last night. I know when we spoke to you, you aren't free until September. Mm. You have a really full diary. So yeah. have you actually had to <laughs> apply for any or have you just, everyone said, we've got no. to get Adam <laughs> Flood down? Because you yeah. are gigging. On the 5th of June, you're supporting actor Simon Evans and Paul Sinner. You're not yeah. getting little tiny backstreet gigs anymore. Yeah, no more backstreet. Um, I'm front front of house, front of shop. Um, no, I, you know, I'm lucky that I'm in with a few promoters and people who are giving me nice gigs and uh, you, yourself being one. And that's that's amazing. I don't, you know, I don't really get any people asking me for gigs maybe the odd few and when it happens you just like this is amazing um but no i i ask i ask for them um because there's a million people out there who you know are good people to book and uh yeah i think it's just trying to cultivate the good relationships with people and, and being respectful to everyone at the shows and being i don't know someone that you want to to have around to do the gigs I think all those things are really important and be like, you know, nice. Graham, have you got anything that you'd like to ask? Yeah, Adam, do you think you'll do the, like, the things that say, that instead of going up to Edinburgh Fringe, that you'll just have your own fringe in your own back garden <laughs> with your own national, you know, with your own VIP lounge and finger buffet and just doing it yourself? Mm, okay, what well, is as in like, yeah. You know what, I have thought about oh can you leapfrog a lot of that stuff yeah like do you have to go to the fringe yeah. to to get there it's a really good question and i really 
I flit in between. I think before the pandemic, I was feeling like, I was like, what's the point of the fringe? I think that it's, apart from it being really, really fun, like, I think especially for, even for the next few years, you know, like, it's good, it's good for comedians my level, you know, and, and starting out and above and to, to cut your teeth there because you get to do 30 gigs in a row, of, you know, and more because you're doing other spots. So all that's really good. It's good for that. But I'm like, if you're going to be like, right, I'm going to put all my eggs into this basket, this fragile dumb basket, which is my hour, which is my big expose of my life. And I'm going to push it there. And, and I'm pretty sure that my story is going to cut through and I'm get, like, the chances of that are so slim. So like, I would do it amongst other things if it felt part of a trajectory for things. Like I'm thinking of going to Australia um, because that's fun, not because of anything else. And so for me, that makes sense to be like, well, I'll do a show at Edinburgh and then use that at the other places to allow you to go there. But that's not like a career thing. Whereas like I, I, I'm, yeah, to answer your question, I would not be pinning my hopes on Edinburgh because I think it's one in a million. I think I think you'll you'll be like sort of the Peter K Steve Coogan approach where you say right, what's the point of going there? I'm just going to bring them all to me, mm. and um, you know, and just and then film it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't know what the exciting alternatives are. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, uh, you you can see like I don't know podcasts and all sorts of ways to cultivate like a really big. And it's not just big. I think it's like people who want to see you in a in a in a legit relationship. You go to the fringe, right, and you get people. We were really lucky where our show was, which is it, your first show is basically because no one knows you, puts you on at PBH, wherever. So they're like, right, you get to go here. And so there are some people I know, like uh, who had really rough spots. You know, they were like so far away. I helped some people fly who were so far away. Me and Blake were put in a really good place and we flyered really hard and we got people to come. So there's a lot of graft in it, but then a lot of the people who were there, you know, they're just, they're, they're gone then. And so there are other avenues, I think that you can put in that effort to get those people to come see you. But then there's like a more, they're connected to you in a, in a different way, especially if it's online or in, in other ways where they're like, okay, I know how to go back for more. Whereas at Edinburgh it's transactional, which is part of the, the beauty of it. And I'm sure there are, you know, people who, have been to the fringe for years and are like, oh, this is what it's, it's not about that. It's not just about making it, which is, which is true, but also like you only have so much time. And if you're going to take a month out of the year and also three or four months to prepare for it, then like it has to be more than fun if you're trying to make a career out of it. Do you think that you were, you know, that was the, the getting the structure and the format from under the understanding of philosophy to let's say to starting with something simple and not you know that's not worth overstating and in the end you're taking it to a paradoxical element where literally no one will believe what you're saying <laughs> uh i yeah that is what i think <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because i was actually had the only thing i'd written down to say on this podcast was that verbatim so i can't believe you managed to get that so uh <laughs> So that's good. It was Will Rowland who was like, he had this idea about, um, he said, it's, it's a bit like, like writing an essay sometimes. I don't know if you would have said essay, but 
it, like you structure it like an argument like that. Like you make a point and then you have your evidence and then you, you know, you, your joke is effectively that like your point is your statement or your point of view and then your evidence is the extrapolation of that and the, the kind of, and maybe you chuck in a few different examples of that and you twist and turn it and then you conclude it. And like each paragraph is kind of like that. And I, and I have been trying to write longer bits, you know, rather than uh, shorter bits now, mainly because that's really helpful for filling more time as you, as you go out, but also you get into a bit more rich, meatier things like, you know, um, just stuff I've been writing about like Irish heritage and about, mental health and things and it being a longer structured thing that can have stuff that all comes off it is does feel a bit sometimes like oh, i can see how there is that that essay the thing in it so yeah i think all of the training you've had in other ways yeah goes I'm, into it watching some of your especially the videos and the stand-up um i think you're one of the the, the few comedians out there and this is why i think you're going to be huge is everything you say actually makes sense and it has a point and a purpose. And again, as I was saying earlier, you really do stretch the parody at the very end to twist it. Well, I, you know, I come from Stoke and up there, back of the net, in you go. <laughs> and uh... Uh, that's, there's a little thing inside me every time I go back of the net. <laughs> um, that's very nice of you to say. It doesn't feel like that. I mean, last night I was waffling all sorts of garbage, but I do, I... I was having some help from um, Luke Tolson, who works with comedians. Um, and he said a similar thing, like about, you know, the, the style that I seem to have is like, you know, making a, taking something relatable and then going in a weird way with it and then bringing it around to make a point that kind of wasn't necessarily clear at the start, which I really like. And I guess you got to be careful to not, be like, okay, that's my thing now. I'll just do that every time. Mm. Okay, every time formula one plus one equals funny. So <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's nice, but you know what it's like writing stuff. It's, you got to have something to hook on to because, you know, I was lucky enough that my work needed me to go to America, um, not in the pandemic. This is before. And I got to do stand up in, um, in San Francisco, which is, a, it's a very different, uh what's amazing is you start to understand your or not your audience you understand how to strip away like the unconnectable parts of your of your act which i think is cool which i'm guessing you you might get a bit from the zoom thing as well being like well it doesn't make sense to say this on a zoom where you know everybody's from india because they don't know this particular like brand i'm going to talk about or this particular yeah. kind of yeah this a uh, thing that you might not have even just thought of because your default brain without without doing um without thinking about that like cultural relativity you'll just say you know i remember when i very first did angel comedy uh it was like completely packed and um completely international i completely bombed because i was mainly just being doing stuff about stoke-on-trent and doing stuff about puns and idioms and it was just like oh it's a painful death uh, and I didn't gig back there for a while but um yeah I think getting out there and seeing that and I think that's probably been amazing for so many comics to to get out and yeah internationalize their act I probably missed out on that so no okay. shoot 
I think that is difficult because I've got supermarkets everywhere. So wherever you go, you can talk about a supermarket. Um, but uh, talking about the guild hall down the road is going to mean nothing to anyone. It's got to be a fucking belter to get uh, an Indian Zoom group <laughs> to right. laugh about <laughs> you know. the guild hall. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so that, that's been really good. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to ask? Yes, I was going to ask, Adam, so who were your mentors? My mentors? And who do you look up to in common? And who would you say you aspire? Wow, good good question. You would have thought, might have given it some thought before coming onto a podcast to be asked about doing comedy. <laughs> um, my mentors, I mean, there are people, so like I mentioned Luke Tolson, who like I've done some work with and I, I think that he is really great um i i've had some bits of help from scott caporo um i had a writing session with him and then met him a few other times and uh he's just like amazing comic and was just very i don't know just chatted a bit about the industry and it all just made it sound like you know anything's possible you can just do whatever um and i know it's not strictly true but it just sort of took a bit of the okay but how do you get an agent yeah but how okay so then how do you get a was like just don't worry about that just find some things that you like to do first um and then i think the people that i look up to are like a number of my like close friends who do do very well like um and people like you know davina bentley uh ali woods i mean calling them close friends yeah i would say they're close friends in my heart um people like that and I think I also look at like up the Creek as a really amazing venue and agency that like, I love how they champion diversity. And I think that's like a really cool thing to see. And it makes me want to work there. And, and they're really nice at giving me gigs on in, in the weekends and stuff now. And I'm, I'm back there next weekend, which I'm so excited about. Um, so places like that, I think seeing people do it right. It, like, and then, like you know, before you start doing comedy, you look and you're like, "Oh, I'd like to be like this person." And I think as you start doing it, I have felt I've worried less about people to emulate rather than like the ways of doing it to emulate. Like, okay, that looks like a a nice way to do it, or a, a, an advanced way to do it. You know, people like Horatio Gould, who is just you know grinding away. If people, I guess, who are my, at my ish level, who I can see who are doing stuff where I'm like, "Oh, that's." you know, that's something to learn about how to, how to do stuff. Um, they're the people who are inspirational to me and any of the people along the way who have given me some time about uh, in the back rooms of green rooms or in cars. That's a good way to learn from people, you know, giving people lifts uh, to gigs, like a big, long, you know, like driving people like, you know, Alistair Beckett King, like two, 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 three hours, one way, three hours back. And also, crashing the car a little bit and having to go through that trauma um that's really helpful for learning a lot of stuff about comedy that that's yeah um do you find any comparison between when you were a musician to being a comedian um so the only comparison is like the let the amount of stuff you the amount of work that you need to do and that is like uh it's more like looking back at when i was in a band like 
we probably didn't do enough. I mean, we started to do all right. We got like signed and we started going on Radio 1 and things like that. And then it kind of petered out and we did, we worked quite hard, but not enough. And it was like, you know, we did like one band practice a week and we did try to make sure we do a couple of shows. And I think having that like level of persistence, someone said to me recently, this idea about you've got to have discipline for when your motivation fails. I think that's such a like great way of, of thinking of it. And that is something that I could see that I didn't do enough in, in music. And I, and I try and do more of that, which is why I guess I have so many um, shows booked in as it, it, far flung places as Plymouth. Why? But I just feel like I should do it just because that discipline will hopefully kind of get you to that motivation of, of doing something cool. Just, just a quick one there. Plymouth is a great place. I know. Actually, as I said, Plymouth, I just remember what I was messaging Elaine about it before. I kind of tried. I felt like I was saying a nice sort of final point. I was like, okay, this feels quite nice. It feels like it's summarizing. And then just at the end, they just fucking shit on the host's hometown. <laughs> How can people follow you? So you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I put most of my stuff out at the moment at Flood Haha. Um, and also you can find me doing, uh, stuff with Blake on, um, YouTube is joke boys. So that's, if you just put joke boys in, um, I think you find it joke boys UK, which is funny because it also looks like joke boys suck. Um, so you can find it that way. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, people won't forget that, will they? Thank you very much. And, and thank you very much listeners for listening. Bye everyone. Bye. This was podcast recording for a whole lot of comedy.